Yes, greetings and salutations, sports and wrestling fans across the wide and wonderful internet. It is Michael Shibley, your glorious and fantabulous host, with you here for another awesome, totally reeking of awesomeness episode of Modern Day Gladiators here on the Outlander Media Network. I hope you guys have had a wonderful weekend. Hope everybody has calmed down from watching, of course, the long night episode of Game of Thrones and Avengers Endgame to fit what a great entertainment weekend for all of that. But of course, we're not here to talk about all of that. Of course, if you want to hit me up on Twitter at Michael underscore Shibley and talk about Avengers or Game of Thrones, I'm there for that as well. But of course, we've got NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, big news in the gambling world here in my home state of Tennessee, and of course, wrestling news happening all around the world. Great stuff. We will get into it. But first, of course, as always, you can listen to us here on the Outlander Media Network. You can check out the website, outlandermedia.net, where you can check out all the other great podcasts that we have, including Haffel. DLC, Respawn, Deadbeat Radio, all the other great stuff that we've got there, Phantasm Podcast, and of course you can download us wherever you get your fine podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and of course now Spotify as well. So all those great places you can check us out, and please, five-star reviews, like, share, subscribe, comment, share it. Just get that word out that helps us spread the word of how awesome all these great podcasts are. And, of course, every five-star review, I will love you forever if you are one to give us that. Of course, you can interact with us, again, on Twitter at Michael underscore Shibley, or you can check out Modern Day Gladiators both on Facebook and Instagram. Give us a like there, and, of course, we'll shoot updates and do live feed-in when breaking news happens that we can't get here to the podcast and talk about. So all of that, you can interact with us everywhere. And, again, of course, the big thing, like, share, subscribe. If you've enjoyed me for more than 10 seconds, I would appreciate any type of review, and of course you can interact with us, however, on Twitter as well. So we appreciate that. Let's get down to business. Let's start talking, of course, the most overreactive and just craziness that happens for player selection, which is the NFL draft. They said over 600,000 people showed up for the NFL draft in Nashville. Nashville doing the state of Tennessee proud. I think it was just amazing. I think uh, Chicago and Philadelphia, their combined audience was about the same as what Nashville turned out, so that was great to see. The only people upset about that, of course, the people stuck in traffic, but Bachelorette parties, Fox uh, Fox News affiliate, I believe in Nashville, did a story about how uh, Bachelorette parties were upset that the, uh, the NFL draft was going on, and they were frustrated, and one of them, of course, one of the bridesmaids was like, you know who's really going to pay for this? My husband because, you know, he didn't tell me it was going on. It's not his job to do that. Uh, It's been in plan for over a year, so you should be aware of that it's happening. Uh, You know, lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on mine. I have to deal with that all the time in my job. So again, just enjoy it. A lot of the bridesmaids that they talked about in the bachelorette parties, they said they're still going to have fun, they're still going to go out, and some of them were just whining about it, and it's the, just, again... It was available, plenty of information. It's like here in Knoxville, where I work, we've got parties and events that happen, and we have a business downtown, and then we have people who, on a Saturday in the fall, come down and complain that they can't find parking because the Tennessee game is going on. You live in Knoxville, even if you don't like football, 
or care about Tennessee football at all, and there's a lot of people in Knoxville who don't, you still need to be aware of the schedule. You need to at least know when the home games are and plan around that. That schedule is there. It's out there. It's not a secret. You know it's coming. So, anyway, the draft. What happened? Just a lot of, again, great moments. Very defensive, uh, heavy, especially in the first round there, which I think was great. They're making this counter to all the offense. A lot of great defensive players out there available as well. But, of course, number one pick was Kyler Murray, the Oklahoma Heisman Trophy winner. A lot of great firsts there with that draft pick. He was the first player ever taken both in the first round of the baseball draft and the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, Back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners from the same school in Oklahoma being taken in the first round because Baker Mayfield was taken last year. So that was really, really cool to see. But of course, the big thing and questions are, will Kyler Murray be better at Arizona than Josh Rosen was, who was the Cardinals' first round draft pick last year? I believe he was a top 10 pick, and they, of course, then traded him to Miami. I'm rooting for Josh Rosen because at this point, he stood no chance when they saw who was the first round pick, who their new coach was, everything was happening when Kyler Murray declared. Josh Rosen stood no chance. I'm rooting for him to do well in Miami because, again, I think he needs to get a fair shake. I don't think he got a complete fair shake in Arizona with one year under his belt as a rookie. But again, we'll see how all of that shapes out. I am rooting for him to do well. I'm not, you know, don't have anything against him, nothing like that. Still want him to do well there. Of course, there's some other quarterback issues that we've got, of course, coming out of the first round and second round draft picks. You've got, with the New York Giants, you've got Daniel Jones, who's picked out of Duke, versus Eli Manning. A lot of fans questioning that because, again, the Giants came out and said, were behind Eli Manning, but they did use a top 10 pick to pick Daniel Jones out of Duke. Of course, a lot of people also thought the Giants could have used one of their later first round picks to pick him. He still would have been there. That's neither here nor there. I think this is the guy that they wanted. They got him however they did. One of the things I definitely think is the David Cutcliffe connection because Eli Manning was coached by David Cutcliffe at Ole Miss and now Daniel Jones was coached by David Cutcliffe while he's been the head coach at Duke. So I think there's a lot of good vibes there. We'll see what goes on with Eli Manning. Yes, he has two Super Bowl rings. He's led them to two wonderful Super Bowl wins over the Patriots. But again, he started to slide in productivity over the last couple of seasons. So you've got to keep doing what you're doing. One of the things that I think people need to focus on a little bit more is you can't care so much about everybody's feelings when it comes to a lot of these things, when it comes especially to the NFL draft. Owners and general managers, it's a business. You have to remember that. Yes, it's entertainment, but football, professional football is still a business when it comes down to it, and you have to stay competitive. And if you've got a quarterback who's not bringing it, you've got a plan for the future. And as we've seen, quarterback is the most important position in any team sport in America. And if you don't have a good one, you're not going to be that good for a long time. I mean, look at all of these teams that have been winning Super Bowls. Of course, Tom Brady is the gold standard. Drew Brees with the Saints. Peyton Manning. Eli Manning for a long time, Pat Mahomes now, you know, Goff with the Rams. You've got these guys. You've got to have a quarterback that can do well and be a leader for the team. 
or else guess what? You're going to be picking in the first half of the first round for the foreseeable future, and you don't want that. So again, you've got to keep planning for that. Another big one that happened was Drew Locke out of Missouri was picked with the Denver Broncos, who just acquired Joe Flacco, which is interesting because John Elway said that Joe Flacco is just entering his prime. He did win that one Super Bowl with the Ravens, but the productivity again has dropped, and Lamar Jackson came in when Flacco was hurt last season, and now the Ravens have decided they're going to stick with Lamar Jackson, and Joe Flacco is now with the Broncos, but they do get Drew Locke. But again, are you hedging your bets? Are you going to give them a chance? What's going on? It's still a business. Joe Flacco, I do think, can still do well. The Broncos still have a very solid defense. You see all of that. But again, you've still got to have a productive quarterback to lead all of it, especially on offense, obviously. So again, you can't care about everybody's feelings. You put on your big boy pants, as they've been saying for a long time, put on your big boy pants, go to work, beat the guy out, and we'll see. That's how this works. It's a business, and that's where it is. You can't get butt hurt every five seconds if someone comes in. They draft plenty of other running backs. They draft plenty of other wide receivers and offensive linemen. Those guys still have that same feeling, but with quarterbacks, it's so much more because, again, how important that position is to the team as a whole. Some of the other uh, things that came out of the NFL draft that we need to look at. Uh, the SEC, congratulations, as they get to flex one more time. 64 players, a new record, 64 players drafted. Uh, it's the most since the common draft era started in 1967. It's the 13th straight year that they've led the way in that. And of course, 13 teams had players drafted. The only one, my beloved Tennessee Vols. No players drafted. Of course, there's a handful of them who were picked up as undrafted free agents, uh, Kyle Phillips and some of the other guys. So hats off to them. Hope they do well out there and maybe make a roster. That would be great to see. But again, congratulations to the SEC for that. It's the fifth straight year. 50 or more players from the SEC have been taken. That's a record. Three schools had three first-round uh, draft picks, Alabama and Clemson, you would expect that. Mississippi State was the other one with the third. That gives a credit to Dan Mullen and the job he did at Mississippi State. Of course, now he's at Florida, so we'll see how that carries over there. It is the first time in the common draft era that Nebraska had no players taken. Tennessee had fallen. They were one of the ones that had had players taken forever, but over some of the Dooley years and now this year, uh, Tennessee did not have any players taken in the draft. Right now, only USC, Michigan, Michigan State, and Florida have any player taken every year in the common draft area. A couple of other things just to kind of take away from this draft weekend, which again was huge, and no matter what you say, it's killing the NBA and NHL playoffs in the ratings, and it's just people getting picked for new teams in the NFL. That's all it is. I mean, yes, you're future is tied to it. It's perfectly fine. You can see that, especially if you make the right pick. But again, a lot of them, you might not even know them. You might have tuned out after the first two days. You might not have even watched the the last, I think, what, three rounds that they have on Saturday and know none of them. Tom Brady was the 199th pick by the New England Patriots in the sixth round. So always remember that, that sometimes there's a diamond hidden in that rough somewhere. Just remember that with all of this. But some of the other conflicts, not conflicts, but just issues you've got. You had uh, Soledad O'Brien reporter with uh, Real Sports with HBO 
and and some other news outlets that she's a part of. She tweeted out that Donald Trump, or at least she commented on the fact that Donald Trump came out and sent congratulations to Nick Bosa, who was the second pick in the draft to my beloved San Francisco 49ers, and talked about how he was a uh, you know make American great again guy and all this other stuff. Soledad O'Brien again trying to make a mountain out of a molehill when it comes to this is that he didn't send congratulations to the black first-round draft pick, Kyler Murray, who won the Heisman Trophy. The reason for that, and again, if you take five seconds and research stuff, as we've talked about on this show, take five seconds and think before you do anything, is, again, the reason President Trump did this is because Nick Bosa decided, or at least some of his people, his PR people, whatever, decided to scrub his Twitter profile and get rid of some of the things he had said over the past few years while he was with Ohio State and on Twitter about that he didn't think Black Panther was a great movie or that Beyonce's music was trash and other support of Donald Trump. Because especially he thought uh, that he was going to get drafted by San Francisco second overall, so he even got rid of some of the tweets of his opinion about Colin Kaepernick. I've always said this. I'm a First Amendment absolutist when we talk about things like that. You are allowed to have opinions. I might not agree with your opinion, but you're still allowed to have them. And he's still allowed to treat support of the President of the United States. Just because he says those things... He, he's allowed to say him just because he says it doesn't mean that he's a terrible person or some sort of awful human being because of those things. So he's still allowed to do that. That's the only reason Donald Trump tweeted congratulations to him was because his people and maybe Bosa himself felt the need to get rid of those tweets in conjunction with getting drafted, especially going to San Francisco. Probably, and again, he's talking about reading the room of where he's going. If he was going to probably be drafted by the Atlanta Falcons or the Tennessee Titans or the Houston Texans or the Dallas Cowboys, he probably decided he might not have needed to scrub his Twitter profile, but because of where he was going and the the optics that that was, he made that decision. And Trump is just saying congratulations to him. And he's allowed to do that. You're allowed to show support to your voters. He's not ignoring Kyler Murray because he's black and was the first overall. It's because this guy had to go through it. Soledad O'Brien and people who retweeted that and talked about it are making a mountain out of a molehill where there's no molehill even to start with. So, again, and I don't agree with plenty of things that our president does. There is no wrong that he did in this instance. I will give you that. So, again, Soledad O'Brien, calm down just a little bit there. It's okay. There's no fire there. There's no smoke even. None of it. So, we're done. Issue is over. The other one we're talking about here before we finish up talking about the draft is that Dwayne Haskins, the 15th overall pick by the Washington Redskins, the first Big Ten quarterback selected in the first round of the draft since Kerry Collins back in 1995 out of Penn State. That's how long that has been. He was drafted by the Redskins, which gives them a really interesting quarterback uh, situation there because, again, we don't know if Colt McCoy is going to play, or if Alex Smith is ever going to really play again after the horrendous broken legs that they've both had. 
We'll see what happens. He is going to approach Joe Theismann and have a talk with him about seeing if he can wear Joe Theismann's number seven. It hasn't been retired by the Redskins, but no one has worn number seven for Washington since Joe Theismann was there. And I think approaching him like this and asking permission, I think it gives the Redskins, and for once you see this, and again, I have friends who are Redskins fans, and I've lived in and around D.C. in the past 20 years, there is a lot of good feelings and hope with Haskins in this pick. He's a hometown guy from that D.C. area. He, again, he played in Ohio State, but he's from the Maryland area, went to high school there. I think it would be a lot of good PR that Joe Theismann gives his blessing and lets him wear number seven. And I think Theismann will. We'll see how it all plays out, but I do like where this is going, and I think Theismann should do the right thing and let him play that. The number hasn't been retired, so just, again, keep that in mind and just do it. I think great PR and, again, good feelings with Washington where that just has not been a thing for a long time there in D.C. Switching gears over to the sports that were getting killed by the NFL draft and the ratings, the NBA and the NHL. We talk about whining when it comes to the NFL and people whining about picks in the draft, which again is something you need to calm down about. They haven't even taken any practice snaps. Stop whining. Everybody just just see how these people play a little bit before you start piling dirt on them. But anyway... Also, the Houston Rockets are continuing to whine as well, and instead of whining about the officiating, maybe they should be playing a little bit better basketball because they're down 2-0 to the Warriors right now. Yes, the NBA did come out with their final two-minute report and said that Steph Curry should have fouled out in Game 1 with a minute 10 left. The missed calls at the NBA, I do think being the optical and just showing, not optical, but being as transparent as they are, Having this report, do I think some of the foul calls called before the final two minutes are also very crucial? Yes, but if you listen to a, another great podcast, I'm going to recommend this. It's Michael Lewis, who's written Moneyball, The Blind Side, The Big Short. He's got a great podcast out called Against the Rules, talking about officiating in life with a lot of other great things, but the first one he talks about is NBA officiating and how much better it has gotten since they've got the NBA replay center and all those different things with going to the monitor. Officiating has gotten tons better, but again, because of the fact that everybody is now able to slow it down and zoom in and make all these decisions, that they're scrutinized so much more and everybody has a platform to vent their frustration. And yes, Do people make mistakes? Of course. And I do wish the officials were able to then defend themselves or even answer questions. I wish that that was part of this as well, which they're not at this point. But again, Chris Paul was criticizing and had reckless contact with the ref. He was fined $35,000. And it's weird because the Houston Rockets even audited their Game 7 from last year with the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals and believe that the refs did some wrong calls there and they should still they should actually be NBA champs from last year and not the Warriors, which is weird to me because the Rockets, I believe, went 0 for 27 from 3 to start that game. So maybe you should focus more on making three-pointers than, again, complaining about officials. And then, of course... It got even worse for conspiracy theorists and all this other stuff. And again, this is not halfle. We don't talk conspiracy theories here on Modern Day Gladiators. But, of course, 
the NBA announced that Scott Foster was going to be the ref for Game 2. And that was one, of course, that the Rockets hate. Uh, James Harden publicly criticized Scott Foster. And Harden was fined $25,000 by the NBA the next day. Now, they did. Foster has not uh, refed any Rockets games since February 21st. But he came out, and again, from what I saw from Game 2, he's fine. There was no issues. There shouldn't be any refereeing issues. And now the Rockets find themselves down 2-0, heading back to Houston for Game 3. They need to focus a little more on winning these games, where, by the way, great job by the Warriors being a great team effort in the in Game 2. All five starters scored 15 points or more. That's the first time that's happened in the last 15 seasons, both postseason and regular season. So that's something to keep an eye on there. But again, the Rockets are down 2-0 to the Warriors to start the conference semifinals. Taking a look at the rest of the games, Milwaukee and Boston have evened things up. Both teams winning, I think, by 20 points or more in both of those games in Milwaukee. Philly and Toronto deadlocked in another good series, 1-1. Denver and Portland uh, also tied 1-1. Actually, no, that game, I made a mistake there. Denver is up one game to none on Portland. So that's the only one that has not had a game to as of this recording this Wednesday. So, again, keep that in mind, I think all of these series can go at least six games. I could see that. I don't see, I don't see the Rockets getting swept, uh, and I don't see any of these games now just going five. I think all of them are going to go at least six, if not seven. So be prepared for some great uh, conference semifinal action in the NBA. Meanwhile, the conference semifinals in the NHL, they're going on. St. Louis Blues up on the Dallas Stars, two games to one. San Jose up two games to one on Colorado. The Carolina Hurricane are up 2-0 on the Islanders. And the Columbus Blue Jackets continuing their great run as they are up two games to one on Boston. And, of course, the UEFA Champions League happening. The semifinals are going on Ajax, the uh, the Dutch team who has just pulled a miracle run, knocking out Real Madrid and Juventus on their way to the semifinals. They are up 1-0 on Tottenham. Of course, the second leg is next week. And, of course, Barcelona and Liverpool are playing as of this recording. So we will talk more about that, of course, once the Champions League final becomes final. We'll definitely talk about that. Love me some UEFA Champions League. And, of course, the Women's World Cup coming up next month. Cannot wait for that one, which we'll break down here, of course, on Modern Day Gladiators. But we're going to take a break. That's it for the first segment. We'll be back with shibbles and bits and all the news of professional wrestling after this. You're listening to Modern Day Gladiators here on the Outlander Media Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You hear the music. That means it's time for Shibbles and Bits here on Modern Day Gladiators. Michael Shibley still with you here. As always, it is, again, another great week in sports. Some big sports issues coming here in my home state of Tennessee, and that is the fact that online sports gambling is going to become legal here in Tennessee July the 1st. The bill passed the Senate with 19 to 12 with votes, and it also passed the House 58-37. It actually, uh, they brought it to the Senate 
uh, because it passed the House first last week, but then it went to the Senate. They made some amendments. That version passed the House 51-44. Uh, Governor Bill Lee, who, again, is against gambling, but he said he will allow it to pass into law without his signature, which is something you can do here in Tennessee. So, again... Online gambling, not brick and mortar, they're just doing it online, is going to become legal here in the state of Tennessee. So any of the bordering states, if you pass into state lines in in Tennessee, you can now bet online here and bet on all types of sports and everything that comes through. Of course, they're going to hash out a lot of these other things. Of course, their proposal is that there's going to be a revenue of at least $50 million due to tax revenue and some of the... Uh, amendments that the Senate made made sure that some of that money, of course, is going to go to our education, local government, and then gambling addiction treatment. I would hope it goes also to help with opioid treatment as well, but that's a whole other issue that we're not going to get into right here on this show. But again, it is good because one of the arguments they're always talking about is that well, then people are just going to get addicted to it. Guess what? Gambling's already happening. We've talked about this on many iterations of this show already, that Gambling's already happening. I've been gambling online for years using sites that are not based in this country. And now you get these sites that are going to allow you to gamble in the state of Tennessee and they're going to take tax revenue from it. That's a great thing. The money goes somewhere. People are already doing it. You might as well tax it and make some profit and help with things in the state. Now, again, how much of that is going to go to education? We could talk all day long about the Tennessee lottery and state lotteries and all that other stuff. That's not what we're doing here. It is good for the gambler and me. I'm excited about it, and I hope it works really well. I'm interested to see where it goes. Of course, again, I am kind of bummed out that we don't have brick-and-mortar places because I think those tied in with an online gambling app. I think that would have been a big thing to control how much money is going in and where people are looking at the customer face-to-face and they can say, hey, you've put way too much money in here. We can't allow you to do any more of that. You can control at least and cut off some of that money flow if you need to. But hey, this is a good thing. We'll see, of course, FanDuel and uh, DraftKings. Those apps already have sports gambling apps in other states where it's legal. So I guess they're just going to add Tennessee into their rotation there. And we'll see if any other local apps are coming up. I'm really excited about that and uh, can't wait to start betting legally for the first time here in the state of Tennessee. Moving on to other uh, money issues and different things going on. LSU's Will Wade is back in uh, in the news again with another recruiting investigation. This time he was caught uh, with a conversation paying $300,000 for Naz Reed, the star freshman that they had last season. So again, LSU doubled down on Wade after the suspension was lifted and they had all those conversations. We'll see where all of this goes because again, it's, it's, it's just a crazy situation as we've seen, I would have gotten rid of him personally, but LSU is going to cling to him, it looks like, and make this a thing. Again, we'll have to see. One of the other things that we've got that just came through the news earlier was that federal prosecutors on Wednesday played a recording to the jury of a phone call in which former Arizona assistant uh, basketball coach Emmanuel Book Richardson told aspiring agent Christian Dawkins that Wildcats coach Sean Miller was paying star center DeAndre Ayton, now with the Phoenix Suns, $10,000 per month while he was enrolled there. So, again, this is a mess. It's making a joke 
of uh, it's making just a joke of amateurism. We're going to have to devote a whole show to talking about all of this at some point. But again, it's a mess. And again, if you let these guys make money off their own likeness, I think you would see a decline in things like this with these shoe companies and with these coaches and working through middlemen and stuff like that. Other good things coming out in the world of sports. The Kentucky Derby, the 145th annual Run for the Roses, is happening this Saturday. I used to do DJ uh, work for radio stations all around. My DJ name was Seabiscuit. Take that as you will. You can thank Tommy and Rumble from WNOR FM 99 for giving me that nickname back in 2004. So you're welcome for that world. But it did make me at least come up with the idea of making predictions for the Kentucky Derby and the Triple Crown as it comes because, hey, it's three horse races. Might as well give it a shot. And I've been all right. I did pretty well with American Pharaoh uh, back in 2015. Justified, I made some good picks with as well. So I'll we'll see. Again, who, who knows? Uh, Justified, again, did win the Triple Crown last year, American Pharaoh back in 2015. So we'll see. We haven't had back-to-back winners since the last, uh, like, affirmed in Seattle Slough, I believe. Uh, were the ones who did it last time in uh, 77 and 78. Of course, 78, when Affirm did it, that was the last time we'd had a Triple Crown winner since American Pharaoh in 2015. But uh, the favorite so far uh, going into the position draw and everything was Omaha Beach. The horse uh, drew the post number 12, so he's got to come from the outside, but he's a 4-1 to favorite in the Kentucky Derby. So we can see where all of that goes. Bob Baffert, again, it's another trained Bob Baffert horse. He, of course, has won the Triple Crown now with both Justify and American Pharaoh. So he's already, he was already a legend, but now the fact that he's got two Triple Crown winning horses in the past four years, that's uh, pretty damn good as well. Uh, game winner, another Baffert trained horse, 5 to 1. Second choice from the 16 post in the 20 horse field for the first leg of the Triple Crown. Uh, also, Stablemate Roadster, 6-1, co-third choice with Improbable. Also, another Baffert-trained horse. Again, there's a $3 million showcase uh, on the three-race winning streak. Uh, Omaha Beach is a uh, dark brown colt coming off a one-length victory in the slop over Improbable in the Arkansas Derby. So, again, we'll have to see what happens. Omaha Beach likes to get up front quickly and just stay there. So I like horses that run up front like that. It's always fun for me just to see. Uh, It is, of course, fun to watch them come from behind as well. We'll see. It's always fun. I love it. It's the greatest two minutes in sports. I need to get to Churchill Downs at some point and just experience the party for myself and also gamble on the ponies a little bit, maybe make a little scratch in the process. So again, we will, of course, break down all the Triple Crown stuff and talk about the race next week on the show. But if I had to pick right here, I'm just going to go with the favorite, Omaha Beach look good from the the clips that I have seen and that's where I feel most confident with so I'm going with Omaha Beach uh, to win the Kentucky Derby moving to Tennessee sports real quick as we wrap up shibbles and bits Tennessee baseball has fallen out of the top 25 they were swept by now number five Arkansas over the weekend not a good look Uh, For the Vols in that one, they weren't close really in the first two games, then drop one in extra innings in the series finale. Uh, Of course, they can redeem themselves. They've got a home series against Missouri this weekend. And again, Tennessee hanging on right now to one of the final spots in the SEC tournament. 
We'll see where they end up there. It just shows how great uh, baseball is in the SEC when you've got so many of these teams ranked. The uh, Lady Vols softball team dropping out of the top 10. They're down to number 11. They lost two of three games at Ole Miss, who was ranked uh, 17th at the time. Now they're into the top 15. They do have the last series at beautiful Sherry Lee Parker Stadium. That is happening this season uh, versus Texas A&M. So it's the last uh, home series. It's the last series of the regular season for the Lady Vols softball team. So head on out to Sherry Lee Parker Stadium if you get a chance there and catch the Lady Vols. Should be beautiful this weekend here in Knoxville and check them out before the SEC tournament starts. Moving to tennis real quick. Congratulations to both tennis teams as they make the NCAA tournament field. And congratulations to uh, women's tennis players Caitlin uh, Caitlin Stairs and Sadie Hammond, uh, both of them, they're the doubles partners. They're the number one doubles team for Tennessee. They uh, were doubles All-Americans in the Tennis Association, so congratulations to them going 18-3 and three in the number one doubles spot for the Lady Vols. Uh, they made the third straight NCAA tournament. They are going to play Furman on Saturday, and if they win, they will then face uh, number 12 seed NC State or VCU in the round of 32. So good luck to them over there in uh, over that at NC State playing the Wolfpack over there in Raleigh. So check them out if you're in that area. The men's tennis team they're going to host the first two rounds of the SEC tournament over at Barksdale Stadium there on the UT campus. Uh, they lost a, a heartbreaker in the SEC final to Mississippi State. Tennessee made a run all the way. They were not expected to do that. They beat tournament favorite Florida. They lose to Mississippi State, though, in the final of the SEC tournament, but they do get to host the first and second rounds again of the tournament. They are the 14 seed going into this. They're playing Radford on Friday, and then they will play the winner of the NC State-MTSU matchup. So we could see some uh Tennessee NC State matchups on both the men's and women's side and again that's happening in Barksdale Stadium there on UT campus I think tickets are just five bucks for the day so if you're a big tennis fan go check out some great college tennis there on the UT campus that's going to wrap up shibbles and bits thank you guys for listening in there and now let's get into the squared circle for the one true sport professional wrestling We've got plenty of time to break down all this stuff that's happening with money in the bank, but there's other big news going on in the world of wrestling. Raw and SmackDown were both kind of, eh, whatever, just kind of there, really. Uh, one thing we do know, Raw, as of this taping, hit the new low for a non-NFL uh, Monday. It was at uh, 2.16 million people Checking out uh, Monday Night Raw, that's down 9% from last week's low. So, again, it, it the ratings, again, it, one of the things you have to look at with all of this is, as well, with WWE now, again, a publicly traded company, especially with the stock going up as much as it has. Now, it has dropped a little bit because of first quarter earnings were a lot less than they thought it was going to be. So it was at around 100 I believe, around right now. It was $100 a share. It's around $85 a share. So it's dropped a little bit. But again, when you are a, a publicly traded company a lot of times, stockholders want that just, again, that regular return on investment. They don't want it to just fluctuate up and down so much. They want Cons consistent profits, they want consistency, and 
sometimes it might hinder the WWE taking some chances it might have normally taken. We'll see what happens now that this Fox deal is getting closer and they're going to move there. We'll see what they decide to do. I don't know if they're just in a holding pattern, but as great uh, wrestling columnist Dave Meltzer has said, this is usually when ratings start to take a dip between WrestleMania and SummerSlam. And if they're already starting at a low, are they going to get even lower? We'll see. Creatively, they're just still kind of doing the same tropes they've been doing forever. We'll kind of see. Some bright spots, though, and we'll see what, of course, is happening, is the challenge from AEW. And, of course, New Japan is making inroads here in America. And, again, there's great money to be made on the indie scene. And some of these wrestlers now with the WWE are wanting to get released. It used to be for a long time, especially after the WWE purchased WCW and ended the Monday Night Wars, WWE was it. That was the only game in town. Now you've got all these other great indie promotions. And again, AEW and New Japan and TNA. You've got these guys who are able, you're able to make a living, a good living, without having to be tied down to the WWE. And you see, of course, Dean Ambrose, of course, not did not renew his contract. He's left. He just posted a video. This is very exciting. He's going back to his indie name, John Moxley, showing him breaking out of a metaphorical prison. And, of course, he broke away from a big dog in the video as well. Just check out the video. It's on Twitter. Uh, you can check it out there. But, again, is it something where it's a work by the WWE? Is he going with AEW? You did see a 25 showing up there which there's a PWG show, it's the 10th one, 2 times 5 is 10, or of course, doing a little gambling could be AEW Double or Nothing, which is happening May 25th, all kinds of things there, it is just interesting, he's going back to his indie name with his hardcore psychotic, uh, John Moxley, should be interesting to check that out, but there's also been some WWE stars, and we've talked about these a little bit on the show, but them asking for their release, they don't want to be part of the WWE anymore, now the WWE doesn't seem to be granting all of them their release, uh, Sasha Banks, of course, is the biggest name that a lot of you would know about, Luke Harper, uh, Mike and Maria Kanellis, Gallows and Anderson, of course, with the Bullet Club for a long, long time, the Revival have been very public about it, and again, is it going to be what they did with Pac, who was there as Neville in the WWE, where they paid him just to sit at home, which they could be doing as well with a lot of these guys. Honestly, if, if you really want to send a good message and these people want to leave, I say let them go, honestly. They don't want to be there. They're not happy to be there. Just let them ply their trade elsewhere, and if they decide to come back, do it with open arms. Have some good, you know, amicable breakup really if you could think about it especially like Sasha Banks now the problem is Sasha Banks is such a name that she could really make an impression in all wherever she wants to end up I mean could you imagine her at AEW that would be huge and the WWE sees them as a competitor so they might just let them stay home but that's just bad optics really when it comes through so We'll see what they do. I just would say let them go at this point. Now, of course, some other things going on in the WWE as we wrap things up here. 
uh, the WWE has announced that they're having another Blood Money in the Bank 2. They're going back to Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, I think at some point in June. They haven't called it anything yet, but it has confirmed that The Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, who of course, according to Dana White, has now retired from UFC. Who knows? We all know in the fight game that you just throw a guy more money and he'll show up. So it looks like Daniel Cormier will now face uh, Stipe uh, Mikosic. We'll see how that goes. We'll see if that happens, but that's the way it looks like that's going in a rematch for the heavyweight title. But they have said that The Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, will be in Jeddah, and also Goldberg is going to be there. So they're just dusting off everybody who can still wrestle and getting these legends that a lot of these casual fans of Saudi Arabia might remember. That's why they had that one sumo wrestler in the Greatest Royal Rumble, the first event they did with Saudi Arabia, because the people in charge in Saudi Arabia asked, hey, could you get Yokozuna to come and be part of this? The problem is Yokozuna's been dead for quite a while now, so they just got some guy, a sumo wrestler gimmick who looked like we have never seen that guy since then. He was eliminated, I think, in about 30 seconds of the Royal Rumble. So what are you going to do? But again, blood money in the bank because the WWE continuing this relationship with Saudi Arabia. And again, with Raw coming to a new low, who knows? If they put the belt back on Brock, that's just going to just drive me more and more to watching more AEW and New Japan at that point. We'll see how it all goes. We'll break all of that down in later episodes of Modern Day Gladiators. But for this show, it is time to wrap it up. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. And of course, as always, please like, subscribe, share, five-star reviews wherever you listen to this great podcast. We appreciate it. We love you. Too sweet. We will see you next time.